This is North Dakota Legislative Review. I'm Dave Thompson. Thanks for joining us. Our guest today on our program is the new State Senate Majority Leader, David Hogan Minot. Senator, thank you for being here. Well, thank you for having me, David. I'm, I'm curious, why did you decide to seek leadership? Well, I've been in the Senate for um, uh, 14 years, seven sessions. I've had a chance to work with uh, my predecessor, uh, Leader Wardner, as the caucus leader. And so I thought it would be a natural progression for me to go from caucus leader to majority leader. I have enjoyed the leadership role in the Senate, and so I thought I would enjoy that as well. One thing we never got into, and I'm going to get into it with you, what is the role of the majority leader? I would, I would describe the majority leader as the sort of like uh, maybe the CEO of an organization. You're you're trying to lead a lot of talented people, uh, all trying to get to the end state in April, which is to to generate a sound budget for the people of North Dakota, one that is balanced. Um, and you're trying to adopt sound policy. So you have the task of assigning people to committees, assigning leadership within those committees, uh, deciding uh, some of the, the harder questions that, that arise that have to be, you know, somebody's got to make a decision and at the end to, to how, how to balance a budget when, uh, when a lot of budgets come in that are over what our projected revenues are. So at... Um, at that point, you really have to, somebody has to make that call. And that comes down to, as you know, uh, the conference committee for the OMB budget, Office of Management and Budget. The final budget that is right. passed in the session, mm -hmm. yes. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of your priorities and the caucus's priorities, uh, can you outline what, where you're at on those? I can. I can. I, I, uh, I don't think it's a secret that workforce development is probably our number one issue. Uh, we have um, we have instituted a new policy committee that is just devoted to workforce development issues. It's never we've never had that committee before. Um, but the reason you know the reason I would say it's the number one priority issue is well actually twofold. One the the problem of trying to uh, fill jobs in North Dakota is getting increasingly hard. It's uh, the problem's getting worse in terms of number of open positions and cutting across all sectors of our economy, uh, from healthcare to education, criminal justice. All of these components of our both our society and our economy are struggling to find people, and so you know how much can government do to 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 solve that problem? Uh, I'm not sure, but we're going to try. So I would say definitely workforce uh, development is, is a number one issue. Uh, a second issue is tax relief. Um, we've, we've been blessed with a lot of revenues in the past two bienniums. We've managed the ARPA dollars that we've got from the federal government to help us with some of the obligations we would have had um, regardless of whether we receive those ARPA dollars. So we want to provide some tax relief because we have a surplus and so I would, I would describe tax relief as a priority. Um, a third priority would be to try to help and develop uh, large animal agriculture in the state. You know, for a number of years we've tried that. We've had one referral. But 
um, it's it's very hard as legislators when we look right across the border in in Minnesota and South Dakota to see that they have you know eight to nine times the amount of animals dairy animals swine turkey and and we ask ourselves well why why is that and so we think we have a solution but um, that's a priority I would say as well that's probably going to be a hard lift in some respects given the uh, propensity from farm, farm, some farm groups to say they don't like anything that even reeks of corporate agriculture. Right, right. I understand that. Um, and, and I would make the point that Senator Wanzik from Jamestown has made. There's, there's the ability to, to get large amounts of capital into agriculture is possible in 43 states, yet we don't see large corporate organizations farming. And so that's, that's just not part of what, what I think is a reasonable concern. Uh, but we see with, you know, with the advent of our ethanol plants, uh, with the new uh, soybean plant in Spiritwood, North Dakota, there is so much opportunity to take their, uh, their feedstocks that they have left when they, when they process ethanol, when they process soybean oil, to take that and use it as a steady, low-cost supply of food. And it's just, the, the synergies there are just, um, it's hard to describe because it's not just the low-cost feedstocks, it's the access to low-cost fertilizers. And all of our grain producers in North Dakota understand what's happened to the, you know, the cost of fertilizer has just gone through the, through the ceiling. And so there's just so many um, synergies or business opportunities that we as a state could realize if we would just harness uh, the potential for large animal agriculture. So that's going to be an issue we're going to have to keep our eyes on as it evolves through the session. Yes, yes. I, I, think, I, think, you're going to see, um, I think you're going to see the House is going to pass it pretty strongly, and so we'll see what happens when it comes over to the Senate. But I know there are just a lot of proponents in the Senate as well who want us to do more for, to facilitate large uh, animal agriculture. To go back to your first point about workforce development, what are the, what are the biggest barriers to ha recruiting workforce to North Dakota? Well, there's, <clears throat> there's several. Um, w part of it is we have such a robust economy that we, we're generating all these jobs in the ag sector and the energy sector that we don't, our population is, does, cannot supply the jobs that we have. So that, that's the biggest impediment is just our demographics. Um, you could say we haven't been having enough babies for probably 20 or 30 years. You know, that's, so that's, that's a, a basic part of it, a robust economy without enough people. Um, a, a second part of it is, let's, let's face it, the geography. Um, we're hard to get to. We're not, uh, particularly in my part of the state, Minot, uh, Williston, we're not on the interstate highways, so we're, we don't have access to um, some of the uh, the resources that other parts of the state do. So it's a it's a combination of things, and some people will say it's you know the weather, um, but you know you and I growing up here we're 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 used to it, and it's not. I love our weather, of course, but some people uh, there's that initial reservation about thinking about relocating to North Dakota. So that's that's part of it too. But childcare also factors into that as well. Yeah, yeah. 
And I think I may have mentioned this before. I'm, I'm somebody who has come around on the issue of whether government should be involved in trying to facilitate more childcare to, to help our workforce, but I'm there now. I see it as a, a meaningful thing that government can do to get people who live here into the workforce. And there's just an awful lot of people in e even our, our, our major cities where there's access to larger uh, daycare facilities, where they, they do the math on what it costs them for daycare and they quickly realize that they lose money by going to work. And I don't know that we can fully address that, but we can, we can help. Uh, in terms of workforce development and, and attracting people, Senator Mathern came up with an interesting idea to have immigration offices at the mm -hmm. Bank of North Dakota and mm -hmm. Commerce. Mm -hmm. And I believe you signed on to at least one of those bills, correct? Yeah, well, com the Commerce one. Um, well, his idea is because he's a student of history and he understands that we used to have that office. And it was during um, what he described as during the home, uh, homesteaders days where, again, we were giving away raw land to people to try to attract them to come to the state of North Dakota. And, you know, we're doing a lot of things now to, uh, to do that, um, to attract people. But the, the thing about the, the office that he's proposing is, so we recognize we have to bring in people from outside of the state, and, and he and I both agree outside the country, the continental U.S. And so large employers in the state are doing that. They are hiring firms to do all the process, all the work visas, process all the immigrations, help them get settled. And they're bringing in hundreds of workers from outside the United States. Well, the large employers have the, the means to do that, but some of our smaller employers don't. So the, the, um, one of the things I really like about his bill is it will give the small employers access to a resource to help them recruit people from other parts of the world. And there's certain red tape that goes along with that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Unless you're on the southern border, then you can come right in. Well, you mentioned tax relief, and I, I wanted to get into this because the argument, the way it is setting up, is it going to be income tax or property tax? And that gets to be a tricky situation because mm -hmm. the state, with the exception, <clears throat> I think, of the one mill for the, the University of North Dakota, mm -hmm. the medical school, right. does not levy property taxes. Right, right. Yeah, and so I, I would, my best um, estimate today, and I, and I haven't changed since we started, I think we'll see a combination of income tax relief and property tax relief. Now, um, I think we're at the stage now where we're trying to figure out, okay, how much discretionary dollars do we have to provide for the, both income and property tax relief? And of the amount we pick, is that sustainable going into the next biennium and the biennium after that? And so that's the first, I think, the first decision point. And the second one is how much of, of both income tax and property tax relief. Um, and, and I think where, where we're s sort of coming out, and, and this is a broad range, but necessarily so, is between probably 300 and $600 million. Um, as combination, and so the things that we're looking at is 
you know, if we just, for example, gave a straight across the board 30% tax uh, reduction, well, that's great, but a lot of people say, well, you have, North Dakota, you have a lot of out of state non resident taxpayers. So if you just, if you don't use a, more of a scalpel for a, a reduction in income taxes, you'll be giving a lot of tax relief to people who aren't even residents. Uh, the same is true with, with uh, property tax relief. If you don't appropriately tailor it, you'll provide tax relief to, to non-residents. And I think, I think most uh, legislators are of the view that we should be trying to target it to resident taxpayers. That's no easy task either. No, no it's not um, <clears throat> because we don't, have readily we don't have readily available data on out-of-state property taxpayers. I mean, I suppose we could go down to each uh, county auditor and ask them for that, but it's, it's a painstaking process. So uh, with, with income taxpayers, we do. So that one's a little easier. I have to ask you about what's happening with the oil industry and, and the idea that in a few years, mm -hmm. uh, the pipelines to take gas out of the Bakken will be filled there's nothing unless the new one is built and they might have to ratchet back production because they worry about flaring. I know that the legislature put in $150 million of seed money for right. a pipeline to bring Bakken gas into central and eastern North Dakota. So far, no takers, but apparently there, there are things that are being done to sweeten the pot. For example, this ad valorem tax break yes. for people who build a pipeline. Yes. Um you know, when we came into the special session, uh, was that last year? I'm trying to think. Um, this is 23. I'm, <laughs> but when we came into the special session, that was a, a big item is, all right, how can we incent uh, the construction of a natural gas pipeline, which would take the natural gas out of the Bakken and, and help uh, increase production of oil and at the same time serve a need on the eastern part of the state. And we thought, well, this is a, a, a very uh, a common sense uh, expenditure of dollars, right? Because we'd get, we'd get the $150, $150 million back over time just from in, increased production out of the Bakken. But you're right, it didn't, it didn't happen. We're still interested in doing that. I would say that's the sense of the, at least the Senate. Um, what we had planned to use were ARPA dollars for that that money has to be uh, identified by December of 2024, has to be appropriated and spent by uh, 2026. So you think, well, 2026 is, is a long ways out, but pipelines, they, they take a long time. So that's a, that's a concern of mine that we make sure that um, we identify a potential uh, owner and uh, you know, somebody to build the pipeline before the next uh, biennium. From what I hear, one of the barriers to that is that they need customers. Right. And uh, that they haven't gotten that uh, worked out yet. Yeah. Yeah, that's my understanding as well. They need a customer, not just a customer, a customer that is willing to sign a contract that says, you know what, I will buy your gas for the next 10 years or you know, some large, long-term time frame that will assure them that they have a, a steady place to sell their gas. 
And I've also heard some rumblings is that maybe some of the industry is saying you might have to sweeten the $150 million to something else. Are there discussions going on about that? Well, I'm not aware of any current discussions like that, but I can tell you, about, again, going back to the special session, there was always an understanding that $150 million will not be the end of the ask um, to the state of North Dakota. But... Uh, again, just looking at it from a business standpoint of what you what you see the drop off in production because you can't you can't produce anymore because you can't you you have no place for the gas. Um, it 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 was not something that scared off I think legislative leaders uh, last year and I don't think it is now. But direct answer to your question, I'm current discussions. I'm not aware of that okay. going on. But there is at least concern that this is a project you want to have built and go forward. Right, right. I, 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 I don't think the support, the enthusiastic support for it has not, gone, has not waned. Okay. One thing, as a, as a kind of a subset of all this, um, federal dollars were supposed to go for these career academies. Correct. One was in Minot. And Correct. There's one for West Fargo mm -hmm. and, and some others around the state. Right. That federal money has not materialized, but apparently there's some movement to getting some state money to get it paid now and then maybe being paid back when the ARPA money comes through. Correct. Yes, um, what, what we're talking about doing is authorizing the Bank of North Dakota to extend a line of credit, that, that is to agree to borrow money to these projects uh, with the idea that they can start construction in uh, this spring um, or this construction season, I should say. And then when the federal uh, dollars come in, those dollars would be used to repay the line of credit from the Bank of North Dakota. And uh, I know you followed uh, the legislature. We've done this uh, several times before. Up in my area, we have the water treatment plant for the NAWS, uh, NAWS water delivery system. Mm -hmm. And again, the federal government, that's a situation where the federal government says that water treatment plant that's now under construction in MAX, we will pay for that. Uh, but, you know, it'll take us a while to get you the, the money. So with that assurance, we, you know, we authorized, again, a line of credit so that that project can go forward and, and later be reimbursed. Well, I hate to say it this way, but thank God for the Bank of North Dakota. Right. It's there and you can right. use these right. things. Right. Well, the Bank of North Dakota is probably one of the greatest tools that the state of North Dakota has in terms of facilitating uh, financing for, you know, large projects, in terms of uh, helping out political subdivisions with their, you know, their borrowing needs. Of course, we know that uh, they got out of the student loan business, but they do do student, they consolidate student loans, so they help students. Um, it's, it's just a great asset to have, especially, especially for the legislature. Okay, here's, a, here's one that really affects uh, Minot and the region, the Suris River, Mouse River Flood Control Project. Now that apparently the money's in hand now for the Red River Valley Flood Control Project in Fargo, there's been a lot of talk about can we step up money and get the get the Minot flood control project built earlier. What do you think is the status of that? Well, we're gonna we're gonna be um, looking at that pretty hard. Um, 
I, I differentiate between flood control projects and water supply projects. I think, to me, the flood control projects are uh, a priority over the water supply projects. But uh, even, the, even the flood control projects are different because in, in Minot, the Mouse River, we're, it's a staged uh, project. So as we advance the ball, we get each part of the community gets a little bit of flood protection. And so we're, we're making progress, whereas the Fargo diversion, you know, until that project, uh, until it's complete, it's like virtually nobody gets any flood protection. And that's just the nature of, of the two different uh, projects. But whether it's the, the um, flood control or water delivery, we're always uh, looking to see, okay, if we put the extra dollars to the project and accelerate the construction, how much money do we save? And of course, that is a that is a critical issue now when you have inflation at you know seven and a half, eight percent now, and that that's very um, that's that's holding firm in the construction industry for sure. And construction inflation, we just talked about the career academies. There's mm -hmm. going to be some extra money because of construction inflation for them. Right. Yeah, we're talking about $40 million because of the delay in, in, in constructing those projects. And it's like, ah, uh, what do you do? I mean, <laughs> you just got to, you've got to figure out a way to get the project done. Because like a lot of things, it's, if, once you decide to do the project, it's never going to be any cheaper uh, by delaying. So you, you, try to, you try to accelerate construction especially where it makes sense from a business standpoint. I know it's very early in the session, but what do you think could be something that might hang up the session that you might have to go <laughs> toward the 80-day limit? Well, that's a, that's a great question. I've, I've been thinking about that, and, um, you know, I just, I just feel like we have such a good relationship between the House and the Senate uh, that I, I hope that doesn't happen. Uh, Leader uh, Mike LaFour from the House, we've talked about that. We've talked about what historically has led to delays where we're kind of sitting around twiddling our thumbs because, you know, something's being held up. And w I, I'd like to think that we're going to be able to work through that. I think we've, uh, we've decided that it would be best for the people of North Dakota and, and for the legislature that we finish up either between you know, 72 to 73 days in that area. And that also leaves some days for you if you have to come back and take care of problems. Right. Yeah, and, and uh, the biggest potential problem is that we get the revenue forecast wrong. You know, um, 50, what, you know, 55% of our revenues is based on the oil and gas economy, and, and that's based on what we project what we think the price of a barrel of oil is going to be and how much production there's going to be and what kind of discounts there are going to be. And all of that can be, um, can, can be quite volatile. You know, uh, just because of the price, a war in Ukraine, uh, a judge uh, shuts down a pipeline, all of those things can have a, a dramatic impact on our revenue. So, yeah, we want to save time uh, in case we get that wrong. I have to ask one question on on a similar subject, but will carbon capture play a big role in the session? 
It is because we um, it will. We have I think uh, in the Senate alone we have five bills that relate to uh, carbon sequestration and the proposed pipeline that is going to uh, be constructed. You know, it's going to start in Iowa, come through and collect uh, CO2 from some ethanol plants in Minnesota, South Dakota, and Iowa, and one plant in the southeast part of North Dakota. And um, so that pipeline has generated a lot of public uh, interest and concern. And I know there's a lot of bills on it. So, uh, in fact, next week, uh, those bills are going to be heard. Next week? Mm -hmm. Yes. That could be very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And people, there's, you know, it's one of those issues where uh, I think a lot of people are of the view that this is part of our future, regardless of where you're at on, on climate change. Uh, this, is, this is the world that we in North Dakota find ourselves in. We're in a unique position to benefit from that. So um, why shouldn't we try to take advantage of it by, by sequestering some of that? And use it for things like enhanced oil recovery. Is right. What we hear a right. lot. Well, and we hope, you know, the, it's, you hope that that technology comes for the, for the Bakken because, you know, we've had great success in using it in the southwest part of the state. Um, Canada is taking some of our, our carbon uh, dioxide and, and piping it to uh, Weyburn, to the Weyburn field. So there's possibilities, but uh, uh, it's, it's really sort of exciting. Well, Senator, time is fleeting. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Thanks for having me, David. Our guest on Legislative Review, the new Senate Majority Leader, Senator David Hogue of Minot. And for Prairie Public and Legislative Review, I'm Dave Thompson. Mm -hmm.